0: It's such an honor, Danny, um, to be a part of this amazing podcast you're doing here, and it's just really cool to be talking about this book.
1: You know my work, and you've given it a lot of thought, and um, I don't normally get such good questions, to be honest.
0: (laughs) Your podcast is the one that I listen to when I want to listen to an interviewer who has actually read the book she's asking questions about, (laughs) and asks really interesting, insightful questions about it, and I think that's really special. Thank you for your wonderful questions. It was a good chat, great chat. You're a good interviewer. So enjoy listening to the podcast. That's brilliant what you do. Honestly, I'm so in awe and we need more word nerds like yourself, people that are passionate about books. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny V. On this podcast, we chat about books, the power of literature and the social and political impacts of an author's work. Today, I welcome Shirley Ma. Shirley is a first-generation Chinese-Australian living in Perth, and the author of young adult and children's fiction, Little Jane, a spirited middle-grade book featuring a pint-sized Chinese vampire, published through Fremantle Press. Shirley describes herself as having a Western mind and an Eastern heart, and writes in the middle, where both collide. I hope you enjoy this episode.
1: Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast, Shirley Ma. Thank you so much for having me, Denny. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Today, we're going to be chatting about your beautiful little book, Little Jang, a rollicking middle grade caper about evil morticians, thousand-year-old fox spirits, monsters and laser blasters, and a pint size hopping Chinese vampire published by Fremantle Press. How does all of that fit into one book, Shirley?
1: Um, I cram it in there. I really get it in there so you can... (laughs) And <laughs> so hopefully the whole time you're reading the novel, you're entertained.
0: That is absolutely true. Not only is it such a cute book, I was entertained the whole way because it's really quirky and unique. But before we get into all that, can you, maybe I've done a little bit of an elevator pitch, but I think you can do a better one. Can you give us a quick elevator pitch that might be a bit
1: different to how I described it? I would just say popping Chinese vampires running rampant in a small town. <laughs> <laughs> and that that pretty much sums
0: it up. I love that. I want to know about the supernatural and it intrigues me too. You know, I can't help myself when you, know, you think about the old vampire stories. Lost Boys is still one of my favorite films, but why awesome. the supernatural, right? Why the supernatural? What intrigues you about it?
1: I'll tell you the origin story of how this came to be 10 years ago. I was part of the Melbourne's Writers' Festival and during that time there was a very, very popular book featuring sparkling vampires. So even though my book at that time, I was promoting a uh, contemporary YA novel, nothing to do with vampires, I got a question from the audience saying, well, have you got a vampire story, you? And I was like, okay, Chinese vampire vampires are actually really disgusting and at no point are they ever romantic or could be <laughs> your boyfriend. <laughs> but that got me thinking, Wow, well, maybe I can write my own. And it took me another 10 years, but here we are. This is my interpretation of a, a supernatural vampire novel.
0: I love that and you're right we do have that idea of vampires being sexy you know you think about Kiefer Sutherland and Corey Haim and all those people and the Lost Boys back you know you can tell when I was I was
1: born. That's (laughs) that's part of my sort of cultural you know cultural thing as well. Absolutely so but you think about
0: our culture you know they're kind of a little bit sexy and I I do when I think about it deeply I, I, I can't understand why but it is you know, it is present. But you said that, you know, Chinese
1: vampires are disgusting. Tell us the difference. Oh, absolutely. Um, okay. Firstly, they hop because they've been in the ground for so long that when they become reanimated, that they're so stiff. And that's the only way they can move, by sort of like propelling themselves up, taking a step forward, and then repeating that motion. <laughs> and, <laughs> And, and they're, they're more like zombies in a way rather than vampires. They're like a cross between the two. So instead of being like beautiful, immortal, young, they're sort of like rotting, green, moldy, disgusting. Like <laughs> <laughs> you, That's not boyfriend material. <laughs> I love that. I love how across cultures they're so different. So they're still wearing like the old dynasty clothes. So, you know, that's not, not your sexy modern boyfriend. <laughs>
0: I want to ask you, how do you balance being appropriately creepy but not
1: terrifying young readers? Well, I think mostly you have to find the humour in all the different scenes you write. So to make it less creepy, you just have to bring out more weirdness. I get them to do weird things, put them in weird situations, and hopefully we you can get people laughing, then that kind of disperses the fear and they're not so scary after all.
0: Yeah, I think you're right because it is a quirky little book. I think that you're right in saying that, you know, um, the creepiness does disappear because you're so busy laughing or thinking about their, you know, mad cat adventures and what they're doing because I think when I was reading it, there was one part, you know, talking about graves and death and morticians and then the next they're doing something crazy and so the attention is drawn away from that.
1: Yeah, and that's I, – I tried before funny I don't claim that I am funny but I gave it my best shot to be weird and interesting anyway so that kind of takes a bit of the fear out I think
0: yeah I think so and I described the book as quirky I thought as soon as I read it I was like yeah that's great that's a really quirky book and something I haven't read and I always like that you know I read a lot of books a year and you know sometimes you just go this is a little bit different and I liked that oh
1: thank you quirky that is my favorite word <laughs> that's a great and word Thank you. And I just wanted to write something that was a little bit like off center, a little bit X-file-y, a bit of like a strange little um, Netflix film you might accidentally stumble upon that's a little bit different. Yeah, that, that sort
0: of vibe. Mm, no, I like that. I love it when you stumble across something a bit strange, and they're usually foreign films, I must say, and yeah, they're yeah. a little bit odd, they're a little bit strange, and you, you sit with it and you read the subtitles and you think, wow, that's something I've never seen before. They're my favourite things. <laughs>
1: oh, awesome. So I'm hoping that through this novel you get a little bit of a different experience. <laughs> well,
0: I did, certainly yeah. did. The illustrations by Katie Jiang, they're Amy. lovely they're lovely, they're humorous. I want to know about the collaboration process between illustrator mm-hmm. and author because sometimes there's no collaboration and it's the publisher who's sort of a conduit in the middle or
1: sometimes yeah. you work really closely together. So what was your experience? My experience was um, our publisher, as I saw Kate's illustrations, I was absolutely thrilled because she was like a Chinese illustrator. So I was like, This is also This is the Own Voices novel. We've got the Own Voices illustrator. So I was absolutely thrilled from the start. And from there, Kate worked as a conduit between the two of us. So she would ask me, what do your characters look like? Describe them for me, and I'll pass the information on to Katie. So I did that, and as soon as I saw the illustrations come back, I was like, she's got me. She's got the vibe of the novel. So from there on in, I I didn't really want to sort of like get involved because I wanted to see what would come out of her and what she would come up with. And um, I just thought everything that turned out was absolutely perfect. It, It seemed like the text and the drawings just sort of bounced off each other. It matched. And it wasn't until we had finished everything that I thought, I really want to be friends with this person. Like she's so awesome. And it was only after that professional relationship was over that we thought, "Oh, catch up, ha- get a coffee, catch up," and um, that's when we became friends. Like we're really close now.
0: That's a so great it's story. Yeah. yeah, that's a great story. I love how you did that. You know, really professional collaboration with not much, you know, going on between you, but you you got each other, and then you met each other
1: afterwards. It must be a strange experience. Oh, it was so wonderful. And I didn't want to be one of those annoying authors that went. Alright character looks like this. Here are some pictures I found off the internet and here's like a mood board for you. <laughs> I just wanted her to, to like work her magic and I just think the things that she came up with they just made me laugh and they made me smile. Especially that picture of the um the fox doing the kung fu right into one of the um vampires' heads. That's just what that was
0: Yeah, no, the pictures are beautiful. I really liked them. And they do, they have that, like you said, she's a Chinese illustrator and they do have that sort of beautiful style about them. But, yeah, they were lovely. And you're right, they did really work together. But is it hard? Because I imagine you writing the book, you have a vision of the characters and the setting and what everything looks like and then you get the drawings back. Mm -hmm. I guess they can never be exactly what you've had in your head. But does that alter what you now have in your head or
1: do they just work together? Um, I think what I have in my head is probably vastly very different to what Katie came up with. But what I love is she's created her own world and she's matched it with mine. And we have through that, like a, a collaboration of something unique. So it's not all about me. It's about like an outsider bringing something in into my world and she's just showcasing it. And, um, I just think I love it. Yeah, it's, it's perfect to me. Yeah, I like that. And it probably brings
0: a uh, something richer to the book as well, something that, you know, you couldn't yeah, have imagined yeah, exactly. on your own. Your passion is to distill your cultural heritage in dark and unusual ways through the lens of a resilient young woman. I think that's fantastic. Now, how did this
1: specific Yay, <laughs> how did this specific <laughs> passion emerge? Um, um, I would say that when I first emigrated to Australia, I was 7 and this was during the 80s, and um, there weren't a lot of immigrants at that time. So just through the environment, I just had to force myself to become at a very young age strong and resilient to what was going around me because there was a bit of racism, a bit of this and that, and um, through that I, I, I slowly grew and as I grew I was very conscious of becoming stronger. I want to write from that place and sort of like use my experiences to sort of empower other young readers, especially girl readers, boy readers as well, but just, just to let people know that this is my experience and if it's your experience too, like it, it's something that we can come together through fiction and then sort of like um, intersect at. Yeah, no, that's, that's a wonderful answer. And it's
0: my father immigrated from Indonesia then to Holland and then to Australia, and I was born in Australia. Wow. So my mum's Australian. So I guess I had a similar but very mixed, a bit of a different experience because I – just considered myself to be Australian, but then when I went to school, like you said, there was that kind of eighties threat of racism at schools. I don't think yeah. there were many people that looked like me, and it was it was a real lesson in a resilience, but in identity because I was I remember being very young and going, well, if I'm not Australian, but I was born here, then who am I? Did you experience something similar to that? It was a weird time, wasn't it?
1: It was a weird time, and it sort of sh- it really shaped who I was. And I think it gave me a voice that I thought, oh, I want to use this voice later when I'm big, when I've grown up, and, and put it through my work. And that's, that's an important, very important theme for me.
0: Mm, no, I think so too. And I think the kids that are growing up sort of in our shoes now, they probably have more of these voices around them than we did. Because I remember sort of not identifying
1: with anyone. I was
0: like, where am I? You know, on TV shows and in books. You know, I was completely absent. Oh.
1: Exactly, yes, yes, I, I exactly, I know where you're coming from.
0: Now you describe yourself, and I love this, as having a Western mind and an Eastern heart and you write in the middle where both collide. <laughs> I mean, this is about identity again. Tell me about this. I
1: love this collision. It's sort of um, working out who I am as a person and sort of thinking about how I can bring that to my my writing and my work to to make something that's a little bit more different to what's currently on the bookshelves. So I, I just feel that um, I have a lot of stories from my childhood to tell, a lot of stories from my mum and my grandparents and beyond that as well. And I just want to like smoosh it all up <laughs> and, and make something that's, that's different, you know, that's not sort of like your your ordinary run-of-the-mill adventure story. I, I want to write something that's different, yeah, and, and me.
0: Did you feel like the Western and the Eastern heart were kind of in conflict, but now that you've mushed them together, smooshed them together, sorry, do you feel like that's a better place? It's obviously a better place to be, but do you feel like that's an easy thing to do, to bring them together?
1: I think actually through writing, I have – it goes both ways. Like I try to infuse my writing with what I believe is my identity, but at the same time as you write, you sort of form an identity as well through your words. So I, I, I feel yes, yes. I, I feel like it slowly the two sort of like conflicting bits of me are coming together and it's through my writing and I just, I'm absolutely thrilled that, you know, people want to read these stories. So I, I'm happy.
0: <laughs> I'm happy too and I love the smushing in this book. It's fantastic. It's our new word today. Okay. <laughs> <Just> Smoosh away. <laughs> Now, you've got a new book, A Glass House of Stars. It's a contemporary migration novel based on your childhood story, and it's set to be published internationally in 2021. Tell us about this. It sounds amazing.
1: Um, Yes. So um, this is a story that is about my experiences. It's semi-autobiographical about how, like, I felt when I first came to Australia how I felt about going to school and not knowing like a single word of English and the fear of like, am I going to fit in? Am I going to make friends? Am I going to even be any good at school? Because I I can't read and I can't write and all those feelings. And the important decision I made for that book is I wrote it from um, a second point of view. So it's like, I, you know, I have arrived in this new country I'm going to a school, I don't know a soul, and I'm so scared. And I just think it's it's allowing the reader to step into my footsteps and to see how it was like when I was young. And it's got a little bit of magic as well, just to sort of, like, temper the whole experience so it's not too sad or too depressing. But I'm just so excited because I I want them to read this book and just understand what it's like to be a migrant and hopefully, like, you know, they might – understand more about, you know, how they feel about immigration and other people coming here and, you know, social issues like that. Mm, I
0: love that. And I love the added magic to it. I'm intrigued now and I look forward to reading that.
1: Oh, I I hope you like it. It's got a a black and white cat that can stand upright and serve you orange juice. That (laughs) that kind of tempers the bad stuff. Everyone (laughs) needs a cat like that. Of course. I'm team cat. Shelley... Why do you write?: Ooh, why do I write? Oh, because I think that if I don't write, then I, I will just probably explode) I don't know a conventional answer. I'm not really sure.:
0: I would not expect a conventional answer from you, Shirley, so I like that. It works.
1: Yeah, I think I would literally explode like I just go bang, and there'll be just nothing I'll left. <laughs> like- so I'm taking it. It's
0: a It's a cathartic experience for you.
1: It is because um, as soon as I learnt to write when I was little, it just was just the thing I wanted to do all the time. Like at first, I just told myself little stories, and then I thought, you know, let's see, people out there want to know what I'm feeling as well. So it's become like um, a collaboration between me and the world, and sort of understanding where I fit and feeding back and forth. So it's like, oh how to describe this it just feels like this feels right like it's a, it's a process that of, of me of me becoming me
0: mm, i love that i love that collaboration with the world i think that's it's a really nice way to put it and then trying to find your place i think there's still that element of all of us trying to fit in and find our place in the world
1: that is so true and it's just a the theme that I, I want to write that theme I feel like it's like a social obligation on my half to, to like um, put that into my stories and not just have empty stories, but stories with like big messaging behind them. I just feel it's really important. Absolutely, and if one kid
0: picks up, you know, little Jiang and finds themselves or thinks that they might be able to, you know, it resonates them in within with them in some way. I mean, that's a win, isn't it? Thank you so much, Shirley. Little Jang is such an original, lovely, unique, and I use the word quirky book. It was beautifully creepy, perfect for Halloween, and I do have a secret love of old-fashioned vampires, retro vampires, so it really fulfilled, um, you know, that part of my reading need. So thank you so
1: much for chatting with me today about it. I'm glad I fulfilled, you know, a little gap of your vampire love. So happy to do so. (laughs) Thanks for having me.